You're listening to the Hero Up Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hero Up Podcast. Jim Simcoe here with our co-host. Blake Bender. That's him. Blake Eugene Bender. Let us <laughs> never forget that part. Uh, uh, we are sitting outside the gym again. This we should we could we could actually call these like the sidewalk sessions. I like you that. Need, you need to think that's of a name a, that's for a this. Nice, that has a nice ring to it. It does have a nice yeah, ring to it. So, so you may hear people walking back out to their cars, but we're gonna um, uh, we'll just work, work around that. <laughs> so today is an interesting topic. It's we're gonna be talking about overcoming adversity and using some past examples in our life, which is kind of an interesting topic today because I just found out like two hours ago that I have a full tear of my rotator cuff from something that happened in football, which that'll be a topic for a different day. But it's touch, it, it is touch, very at- touch football. <laughs> I just want to be clear. He's playing touch football. <laughs> you left out old man touch yeah, football. Okay. Old man competitive touch football, which doesn't seem to go together. But yeah, I just found that out. So it's just an interesting topic to talk about. Um, one of the things I think about this is that it's so important because everyone goes through adversity in their lives. They go through drama or whatever. And, and not a lot of people talk about it. And you also don't necessarily know what people, you know, what people are going through or, you know, when they're alone, it's easy to kind of have your good face on when you're in front of other people. And then you get home and you look in the mirror and you're like, Oh, Oh shit. Like, you know, what's really happening. I mean, do you see that a lot? Every, every time I look in the mirror, <laughs> break down. Every, literally every time you yeah, go into the thing. Yeah, um, so what we're going to, so the format of this is going to be, we're going to talk about something that happened with Blake uh, in his life. And then I'm going to talk about something that happened in, in, in my life. And we've got kind of a question and answer thing. So I've got questions prepared for him and you have questions for me. Yes, indeed. And, and you should see us right now because we both have printed out lists with bullet points. This is a very formal we podcast. Are officially official today. Yeah, this is official. This is not like crayons on uh, pads of paper. So anyway, um, I'll start. So tell me about, you know, what we talked about before, the adversity in your life and what you faced. Um, th- tell me about it. What was it? What, what happened? All that. Sure. Before we get into my question. So, you know, I think that when we had initially brought up this idea as a topic of discussion like I am kind of sifting through back my own life experiences and whatnot and I recognize like things that would be challenging for me to be to overcome that would happen in my youth or something right it's all very context specific and and I I recognize especially in the you know times that we are politically in the landscape on that front that I don't want to make out my own life experiences as if this, like what's happened to me requires some sort of dramatic story, but right. uh, it, it was also important at the time when you're don't have a lot of life, life experiences and you're 12 right. years old. Um, then we're saying hi to Tom and Whitney all, as they're driving away. Bye guys. Um, it's all very context specific. And uh, so again, these are experiences that met, were very important in shaping my life, but I recognize in the grand scheme of things, um, I don't want to undermine, you know, other people's much more challenging trials and tribulations sure, and experiences. Sure, sure. Um, but it's by, important though, but, too. Yeah, you can't sure. shortchange and, it because like, it doesn't matter what it is. I, like it, and then on the on the, the flip side of that is I do think that some of the things that I've gone through are very relatable and right. very um, and very kind of similar to probably the experiences of a lot of people. Right. Um, and so in that's in that context, I think it's important to kind of discuss, um, as not everyone has, you know, something that's really, you know, huge and monumental in their life, um, which is, was not the case for myself. It was more just a general, general themes that played out over the uh, long period of time. And here we are, (laughs) and I have a pretty good, sweet life. So can't complain at this point in time. Um, So, so what was it? So what happened? Well, yeah, I think, I think that just my, 
one of my biggest challenges in my youth and uh, in, in growing up was just kind of like trying to develop a sense of identity and self-esteem considering the context that like I really had a hard time in my informal education. Um, okay. And that's just relative to what the expectations were like surrounding me. I probably got, you know, a lot of C's and some B's here and there and I, and I passed and it wasn't really an issue of like, I couldn't get through school, right. but in the context of both of my parents have graduate degrees, my siblings got straight A's and, and immediately transferred to, you know, UC colleges and things like that. And that was just a really big part of my life. And so because that was, you know, such a subject that would be, um, you know, create a lot of like lower self-esteem in my life. Right. One of the few outlets I had would be playing sports and being athletic and soccer. Right. And that was, you know, right, very right. much where my identity was probably um, founded on in my, you know, at, as I was growing up and still to this day, like a large part of my identity is through like the things that I participate in physically and, right. and things like that. Um, and so, you know, I guess that that was one of the major challenges I got through. I did, you know, go on to the community college, got my act together, which is a whole story within itself. Uh, ended up transferring to UC Davis, have a degree now. Um, but my my orientation towards like my ability to learn was very much has very much had to change um, because I was somebody who really struggled to sit at a desk try to, uh, you know, learn information that I just wasn't really interested in. I didn't really buy the idea that you need to like really apply yourself in school just because that's what's required in in life. And so was it a lack of, was it a lack of understanding for you in school or was it a lack of effort or just like, were you just kind of like, I, this just sucks. You know, I'm, I'm sure it was all of those things (laughs) at different, different points of time. Uh, I, I was formally diagnosed with ADD when I was like 17 or 18 or something like that, which is a little late in the the grand scheme. (laughs) Um, I, I was, I was medicated through, uh, college and that, and that did, and that undoubtedly had played a role, but in general, it was more just the maturation process where I was like, like I'm seeing all of my peers and all my friends go to, to universities. I had played the first year of college soccer and that was a, uh, challenging and trying experience because I was, had been constantly injured for a long period of time. and, And that season was no different. Um, and, uh, I was just in this point when I was like, okay, like this is it. Like you need to start applying yourself. And even if it's hard, figure it out. I also had a lot more emotional support. I started dating my girlfriend, now wife when I was uh, 18. And so there was just like this, uh, level of structure and self-esteem that wasn't, was no longer really founded in, um, inside of, you know, what I was doing athletically. Right. Um, and so that was really great and, and maturing time for me just because I was in a position to finally like learn how to be successful. Um, and I had all the resources in the world, like my parents were, you know, in the best way they knew how tried to, uh, figure out how to get, help me, you know, get by. But I was just really not that interested in, in applying myself when I w- would rather socialize with friends. And right. I was class clown, which I don't know whether I'm, I'm proud of that in high school or not. Really, uh, really hard to believe. You were yeah. Class clown. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just a reflection that like I didn't give a shit. And uh, I was really interested in socializing with my friends and, you know, uh, hitting on girls. And, and those were the types of things that were important to me at the time. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of a, one of the biggest, most underlying themes for me. And I recognize that, um, that in the grand scheme of things is not a huge thing to have overcome per se. Um, but I think it's pretty consistent in, in, you know, my development of a 
you know, of self-value. And now I really have realized that I'm a pretty good learner. I'm not a great learner when it comes to form, like formal academic, uh, what would be the word I'm looking for? Just like, you know, memorization. And I don't do great with like quantifying and crunching numbers and things of that nature. But when I'm really interested in the subject, I can, I can go pretty deep. So then, you know, I have a couple of questions about that. So the first question is, is like, so, I mean, you have your, all of your CrossFit certifications and I've heard that that's actually a difficult test. Was that, were you anxious about that when you did the seminar and when when you took the test or were you like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to kill it because I know everything. Yeah. You know that those, those have never really been particularly challenging for myself. I don't know if the, the tests, I can't really speak to whether they've changed a lot over the years. Yeah. Um, but truly like I, like even when I've taken, taken tests and things of that nature in the past, I'd, I'd been so immersed in the, the material that like, even when I would attend the courses, I'd be like, and because the the information is made publicly available, I'd already consumed it all many times over and it was all already already pretty well uh, organized in my noggin and all that stuff. All right. Talk to me about, so you had this experience where you weren't doing well or you didn't do well in school Mm -hmm. and you sort of identified more as an athlete and less as, I don't know, a scholar for lack of a better way to say it. And I'm such a scholar now. So that's crazy. (laughs) It's such an amazing thing. Uh, I'm trying not to drop my mic as we're thinking about you being a scholar. Um, which is actually kind of funny because you're actually a pretty smart guy. You play it off like you're not, but you are actually. I appreciate you saying that, and I hope I, mean, you, I hope my parents are listening right <laughs> yeah. now. But you know, the, Mr. The, and Mrs. Bender, you did a great job. Yeah, th- thank you, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, the the reality is is that people don't always learn the same way in the same context. Totally. So, agree. And so for for me, the the expectation to sit still at, their de- at your desk and and pay attention to an uninteresting subject for five, you know, five hours a day or whatever, just was not a good, good context for me. Right. Uh, I, I tend to have a little bit more of a creative brain, which comes through my ADD. And, right. uh, I am a little, I, I tend to be a little bit more quick witted and that is great in certain contexts, but it's typically not really a great thing. And yeah. when we're pissing off teachers and all that stuff. <laughs> right. So, so tell me, all right, so you've got this persona of being an athlete because you were really good at soccer, you know, maybe not the best scholar in the world. And then something happened. Well, uh, pu- well, something didn't happen. It was puberty <laughs> for the most part. Um, and so, you know, the experience that you're kind of getting at there was I was, uh, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade or so. I had really my my abilities in soccer had largely been predicated on just my like general athleticism. I'd been a gymnast, uh, competitively at a low level that had, uh, cultivated, uh, uh, very high level of athleticism relative to a kid, my peers that age. Um, and I really relied upon just like speed and, and natural ability on that front. But I wasn't one of these kids who, uh, played the beautiful game, as it said, and uh, was just really reliant on my technical ability, though, you know, I cultivated that over time. Right. Um, It just wasn't what my game was founded on. So when I become, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, and all the kids are growing above me, and I'm just a late bloomer, um, compounding that with a combination of having just had ongoing knee knee issues on and off for several years, it really just led to like a a lack of ability because I couldn't run, like I couldn't run without a limp and you're physically less mature. So those were, those were uh, really kind of taken away from me. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the, the way it goes is I'm ultimately cut from the soccer team that I had been like my peers had been surrounded. How old were you? Uh, ninth, ninth grade, I guess 14, maybe 15 or something like that. And so I am, uh, you know, 
my social network has kind of been removed away from me as, as these are the people that you see two to four times a week for most of the year, right. uh, every afternoon. Um, it feels pretty shitty. Some of those people would be at like my high school, like a couple of them, and they're all good people. And it wasn't like there was an, an issue there. Uh, but it's still just this sense of like, man, like, like, who the hell am I? If I can't do this while I'm, you know, struggling yeah. my way through school, what like, I could rely basically on humor and and yeah. social savvy to kind of develop a sense of self esteem, but that's that was really stripped away with from me. So that was pretty painful. Was it? Uh, Do you feel like an outsider? Um. <laughs> yes. You know, like I don't know how frequently I necessarily had to feel like an outsider. Like I, I was definitely struggling to you know have a sense of self esteem and and uh though in in that kind of context i can recall if, uh you know i would i joined other another competitive soccer team that was like the not my local team but the local team that was like on another suburb um was on that team and struggled for a couple of years before i you know grew grew into my body and and uh my knees healed up and then i you know was back to playing like myself and, and the best I'd ever been. Um, but I can recall like attending tournaments, for example, and like my old team, we, I, we'd be walking by with my new team next to that team. And Ooh. it's just really uncomfortable. Like, you, you know, you have to sit there and look your old coach in the eye who you had a conversation with when they, you know, call you up and tell they, me about they that. Conversa- tell me about that conversation. Tell me about the part where you, where you got cut. I mean, what was the worst experience of that? What was that? Yeah. Was- you know, it's it, the re- the worst part was really not, that, that I that I kind of saw it coming. It was like I, you know, I knew that the the coach was calling people to let people know what the team, you know, who's on the team and all that stuff, which had been the case every year for years. Um, but then when I I got the call and it was like, hey Blake, I got to cut it to you, and I can remember just my heart sinking, and I was like, yeah, like I I get it, you know, whatever. Uh, it's a lot for fourteen, and so that's a lot for a fourteen-year-old kid to to have that call come in, and and you know, what was your immediate thought when it happened? I, you know. I, I'm 29 years old now, so I, I don't know what my immediate thought was. Probably this is just shitty and, and probably trying to figure out how I was going to explain this to my, you know, my dad and my other friends at school. Uh, many of the, the peers who were not on the soccer team knew me as, oh, he's one of the guys who plays in like this competitive league and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, you know, it was just going to be how do I how do I navigate these social uh, these social situations, which is kind of funny to think about because I wasn't super disappointed that I didn't get to be on this team. And it wasn't about like soccer per se, because I still had options to play. It was just about, Oh, I'm going to have to like my identity relative to my peers and the people that I'm around on a regular basis. Like they're going to look down on me like, Oh, like I didn't realize you you know, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was the the most challenging part, not the actual like missing out on playing on this team or anything. What about the stuff with your dad? Um, so my, you know, my dad is very supportive and, you know, always had been, I can recall like that evening, I think he had asked like, Oh, had you heard about the soccer? And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I got cut. And he was like, why didn't you tell me? And I can remember just being like an immediate wreck and and all that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, like talking to him about it and all that stuff. And he was very proactive right away in, saying, okay, well, do you want to still play? Because let's figure out a way to, to make that happen and whatnot. Um, but the, yeah, just the difficulty, the difficulty on that front is I think that he undoubtedly experienced it as a parent where he sees me struggling through this thing. I'm sure that he has, you know, he has relationships with the other parents as, as well, who he would consider friends, some of which he still does to this day. Right. Um, so it's a, you know, one of those things where where he's just trying to, to, 
make it work and, and create some confidence in myself. But, you know, maybe maybe in an alternative universe, we say, OK, maybe we move on from soccer and maybe I'm a much more well-rounded <laughs> in, individual today. And we I don't want any, we I don't joined, want that. I joined the Boy Scouts or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I, I we just kept trucking along and and uh, I'm very grateful on on one sense because I think it cultivated a spirit of not quitting and not giving up and trying different you know, like every avenue in order to pursue something that, yeah. you know, my goals. Um, and uh, again, there's many different ways that people can approach this, but I will, will certainly say that like I had him on my side and I don't think there would have been judgment if I was just like, you know what, I just don't want to do this, but I don't think I really knew how, cause I was like, well, what else am I going to, I mean, yeah. am I going to do? Well, yeah, because if you lose, I think that's the hardest thing about some of these things. Like you lose your sense of identity. Yeah. Right. And you're like, you, you're the soccer guy. Cause you're not, you know, and it, you know, and it's so funny. I think, I think it's so funny that so many of our bigger lessons in, in, in life, they all happened in high school, dude. They all have so many of them. High school's in fucked high school. up, man. Dude, high school's kind of fucked up. It's kind of weird. Like the shit that, I mean, the, we'll talk about mine in a bit, but like in high school, it's just like, you can just get messed up and like 30 years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, you're still dealing with it. Totally. Um, so how did you ever get over this? And did you ever get yeah, over it? Or yeah. did you just accept I mean, it? I, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, I, don't, I don't know if well-rounded, but I, I feel like I've coped pretty well at this point in time. I yeah. mean, uh, I did continue playing soccer for, I think, three years later. I was, you know, one of the best players on a, you know, another competitive team. And, uh, you know, the, the characteristics that I had lost when I was a late bloomer and hurt my knees and whatnot, I was able to uh, cultivate through physical training, which is probably a big part of why I own a gym today. And because I've had really positive experiences (laughs) and um, that being a tool I could leverage in my own life to build self-esteem and things like that. Right. Um, And, you know, I played a, I played a year into college soccer. I had some of the recurring knee issues. It's funny because I I actually hurt my knee uh, playing against that same team. My my final competitive year, which is is pretty shitty. Um, But so, yeah, I had a surgery, uh, you know, and, and I was just uh, right prior to the college season, I was basically benched and trying to get back into shape because I had, you know, lost out in the first two months of playing. Um, and I'm not a smaller soccer player. So so a lot of like the conditioning and just confidence in the, the structures that support my knee took a really long time to cultivate. And so by the end of the season, I'm, you know, dedicating so much, uh, you know, time and effort and energy into trying to even like scratch the surface of my like playing potential again. And then the season ends and I'm just like, you know, finally doing well in school. I'm getting eight, you know, straight A's and, you know, my relationship is in a really good place with my girlfriend, now wife. Um, and so I'm just, just, can we just call her Jess? We, my wife's name is Jessica, (laughs) if anyone's wondering. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm finally just in a position where I'm ready to, to move on into, uh, uh, and put, you know, that, that capital into another department of my life. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that was kind of the major process is I had an opportunity to kind of see out that potential, but, um, I still think that there was some unfinished business there, which is a, a big thing that, you know, attracted me towards, uh, CrossFit competition and training. I had spent a lot of time in a weight room and, and things like that. And so there's, there was just a natural attraction there. Um, and you know, I feel really, uh, grateful that I've had the opportunity to, to really see out, you know, see out that process of trying to uncover my physical potential, because I think for a lot of people, they'll go their entire lives with like 
trying to feel good enough or try to feel up to snuff and they feel like they need to lose this extra five pounds or they feel yeah. like they need to run the, run a marathon but before they'll have uh, validity in, in, in themselves. Yep. Um, and I feel really, you know, appreciative that I have had the opportunity to investigate those things and, and I've just discovered that I still love the training process and I love the process of like investigating different protocols and working on myself and the fact that it really, you know, is the main place where I connect with other people. That's how you and I have gotten to know each other yeah, is because yeah. of, of these outlets. Um, and so those are, those are one of the biggest themes is that it's the, the people that you create relationships over time and, and you're, you know, the, the way you view yourself relative to them, um, is some of the most important factors. And so I try to, uh, consider that when it comes to the way I interact with people and recognize that everyone's at a, maybe at a very different point in that uh, experience, life experience. Right. Um, and so I try to be, uh, yeah, just considerate of that along the way. When when all this, I only have two more questions for this, but when um, you just brought up some, so when this all happened, because I mean, I think it, I think it goes back to like, when you're going through adversity, if you have any kind of community or if you have any kind of support around you, it's hugely beneficial. Sure. Like you go through stuff all on your own. You're just sort of fucked. Um, but like, so, I mean, it sounds like you had a great experience with your dad and your dad was really supportive. What about your, your relationship with Eric, who's been your best friend since you were, you know, you guys were super young. I mean, we, how was that? What was that? Were you guys even really that close then? Was, yeah. You know, that- so, so just to give context for everyone who's not listening, Eric, Eric is my business partner here at, uh, our, our gym, um, Stratum Fitness. We grew up down the street, like five blocks down from one another. Right. Um, we didn't ever actually go to the same high school, um, which on some level was probably, uh, allowed our relationship to like, cause we were always close and I would see him on a, on a regular basis, but, right. um, he wasn't involved in soccer at that point in time. He actually played on my team, the, the very, that same team, the very first year we played together when we were much, much younger. Um, but based upon his birthday, like he would have had qualified for the year younger team. Got it. Um, so he, he hadn't been playing. So really like that, uh, I don't even, I don't know whether there was like any acknowledgement uh, a whole lot altogether just because like our relationship was more based upon typical like friends. middle school, middle school, hi- high school friends. Um, I also think like uh, one of the big saving graces for me was just like my, I did have like a, a good social network at school in which like my identity wasn't as wrapped up in like playing soccer on the team yeah, and stuff like that. It was just like, you know, friends that you're the guy who doesn't take shit that seriously and, and, yeah. uh, things of that nature, you know, right on. All right. So what, what would you, what do you think you learned about yourself from this experience? Hmm. What did I learn about myself through this experience? You know that like, I think it's, it's just the, the basic story of people learning about their self identity and whatnot. Like I, uh, it's, it had been a very healing process to be successful in, in college. And, you know, again, I've had a, I don't think it's super common to marry the person you start dating at 18, though we were close friends prior to that. Um, and I, I really think it's just a a very, um, relatable experience for people to not always do well in, in one setting, uh, in, in one specific setting. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful in other things that you do. Um, I, I think learning to follow my gut and follow my instincts, uh, is, is one of the, the major principles because I, uh, you know, I followed my instincts to not, you know, pour myself into school for a really long time. Right. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that did lead me astray, but at least I'm, uh, 
in a position today where I can look back on that and relate and empathize to people who don't always aren't always a square peg fitting in a square hole. You know, there are people who yeah. are who are round pegs, and I'm definitely one of those people. And uh, I'm you know, I just have to navigate uh, situations and try to play to my own strengths. And and that's uh, the the thing that I guess I was missing in in my adolescence was not always playing to my strengths, and that was just based upon the way society is, you know, set up and all of that stuff. And then I yeah. don't know if there's a better system out there, but, um, just for me, that was uh, a really troubling, challenging thing. Huh. What advice would you give? This is my last question. What advice would you give others going through something difficult? Something difficult. Again, I, I mean, I, I think it's all context specific. I don't sure. want to sit here and say like what I've been through is the most difficult thing people will get through is I, you know, there's many, many people out there who go through more challenging, uh, experiences. Right. But it's um, important. Though. Yeah. I mean, but it, know, it, but it is, matter. it is important. And I think that, uh, really trying to rely upon the, the people who are there genuinely to support you. And so again, that was my, you know, that was my parents that those were my friends who didn't, you know, really give a shit about like my soccer performance or something like that. And I do have close friends from that team to this day who I continue to have a relationship with, um, in part because they would go to like my school or something like that. Right. Um, and so just recognizing like, even if it's challenging right now for you that you very much are kind of the master of your own life and you're going to find different ways for yourself to be successful um, and pursue those things. Like don't let, don't let one negative like success deter you from continuing to be successful. I, I could have been really deterred when I initially got cut from that soccer team and it right. gave me a really unique opportunity where I got to experience, a, you know, collegiate sports and a side of competitiveness that not everyone gets an opportunity to uh, see firsthand. I've, you know, I, I think it largely, largely directed my life into uh, uh, having a love for exercise and training as a, uh, tool to improve your own life. Um, and so I just think that your, your life is very much in your own hands. And, and, yeah. uh, if you have that general attitude and, and idea, then you can figure out, like, it may not always work out in the way that you thought it would. Um, but you can, uh, orient yourself to a way that you, you see yeah. it in a positive light. I like that. Yeah. It's like, it's true. It's like your life is in your own hands. That's cool. Very cool. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing. That was awesome, dude. You, you know, and I appreciate, I appreciate having a, a platform to get those things out there. And again, I hope it's a, a relatable experience that a lot of, uh, a lot of others can, can go through. I yeah. I mean, not everyone can be an A student. Everyone, there's no. other, you know, no, it's a bell curve for a reason. The funny thing about that is like, before getting to the other stuff is, um, what is, what I'm struck by is like, okay, so you didn't, you know, you didn't have a traditional, um, you know, view of school or feeling in school. You didn't do great in school, but now you run a gym where you spend a lot of time educating people on different things that you're an expert in. So in many ways you've become a teacher, which you've sort of rebel, which you were sort of rebelling against when you were a kid, yeah. which is kind of interesting to think about. It's, like, it's funny because my mom's a teacher too, and and right. in, in a lot of ways, I take after her in in many respects, and uh, more than she may may realize and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, you know, I I think that's a a part of what like probably brought me into this environment because of just telling someone. Uh, telling someone in order to, to share an idea with them, I kind of get to show them. Uh, and the, the learning process is very physical and introspective oriented, which I think I, I probably have always been a pretty introspective person, whether or not I like had shared that openly. Sure. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, it is. It is a little bit ironic, I guess, but it uh, it suits the patterns in which my brain thinks. And this place is such a reflection of uh, my own and Eric's vision and yeah. our brains and collective experiences and, and such. So yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Cool. Well, uh, can we get into some of your your yeah, stuff here? All right. To so narrow these down. To, uh, yeah, <laughs> totally. We're gonna uh, just get back to our theme question. So yeah, just describe a time that you had faced real adversity in your life, and when was it? What happened? Uh, let's get into that. Sure. So. I'm not going to talk about my shoulder because it just happened and I'm not, and I'm in the he middle hasn't, of He it. hasn't yet coped. <laughs> I haven't yet coped to figure that out. But what I'll talk about is, and I, I, you know, I've talked to you about this before, or I've talked about this before, sure. but so I was sexually abused by my uncle, not my uncle Patrick, because I love my uncle Patrick. What's so up, always, Uncle Patrick? Oh, what's up, Uncle Patrick? So I always like to say that because I don't want anyone ever to think it's my uncle Patrick. And I only have two uncles. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, my other uncle. But anyway, so I was sexually abused um, through kind of the end of middle school through high school. So for about four or five years, um, I kind of blank on the dates because a lot, I've, I've sort of blacked out a lot of that stuff from my memory. So sure. I don't have the dates. Right. Um, but it was, uh, it would always happen at, he lived with my grandmother at the time. It would always happen at my grandmother's house. He's, I think he's maybe 15 years older than I am. My grandmother had been, uh, remarried a couple of times. So he was, he is her her youngest son and he was kind of like the, the you know very gregarious theater theater guy um everyone in the family loved him and my mom and I had come into the family cuz my mom married uh you know who I call my dad and it was his brother and so anyway so, the, so that's kind of the backstory so yeah so i was sexually abused for uh, a number of years during that time and i didn't um obviously didn't tell anybody um, it would happen after school. It's one of the reasons I always played sports because I never, you know, my, both my parents worked and so they weren't home after school. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would always go to my grandmother's house and everyone thought it was totally fine because, you know, either my grandmother was there or my uncle was there. And, you know, when my grandma, you know, when my, it would happen when my grandmother wasn't there and my, and it was just my uncle. And I, and I still to this day have this thing where like, because back then this is on the East coast, it always happened in the afternoon. I don't do well in the afternoon, even now, like kind of like late afternoon, you know, sun going down mm. or dusk. Like it just, it just sometimes hits me and I'm just mm. like, I'm not comfortable around it, even though I've done a lot of work around it. But yeah, so that's kind of what, what mm. my, my biggest thing was. Um, and I remember like, I remember there, you know, during that time I had always been uh, sort of opposite to your experience. I had always been a good student. I always, I was always in honors classes in middle school and high school. English history came really easy, easy to me. Math did not, neither did physics, but most of the sort of the social sciences came really easy. So I always got really good grades. And quite honestly, I got really good grades without really trying. It was just like an easy thing. Fuck you. <laughs> That's what most people say. Um, but, but when this was all going on, I just didn't give a shit. <clears throat> and I remember like my senior year of high school, at one point I was failing six out of seven classes I was taking and they were all honors classes. <laughs> so like everyone else who was failing or doing shitty in school, like they were all kind of like the kids in regular classes, mm-hmm. you know, who were, who were, you know, criminals or whatever. And I was like, I was like, the we, only weren't, kid. we weren't all criminals, we weren't all criminals <laughs> but, but I was like the only kid who was in honors classes failing. And I was like, 
junior year, I was president of my class. I was super involved with student council. Senior year, I was in, I was vice president. May, may I ask, were did you just feel like distracted if it would come time to to you know do what you're supposed to do? What was like, what where did that come from in this experience? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I wasn't distracted. I just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, and I just was at. I remember like there were times where like. I would leave school. So I went to high school in Rhode Island and I'd have to go, uh, Providence, Rhode Island. I'd have to go from my school to downtown Providence to take a bus to get back to my house. Cause I lived, I lived in Massachusetts. My school was in Rhode Island, about 20 miles away. And I had to be, I would be down at the bus station. And every now and then I would think, man, if I just step out in front of this bus, like all mm-hmm. this pain goes away, like this all like it just ends Mm -hmm. like he can't do it anymore and uh so yeah it wasn't i was distracted i just yeah i I didn't care and i didn't like you get to a point with that stuff and anyone you know i i I hope and pray anyone who's listening has not ever been abused but if you have been you also know that like you kind of get to a point where you just don't really care whether you live or not Mm -hmm. you just kind of like in the moment sure sure now is a different story now but yeah in the moment you just i just didn't give a shit so, so clearly this said it affected you in, in like the school facet of your life. Yeah. Do you think it was something that was, uh, you know, clearly a change in behavior or attitude in the way you related to your peers or your parents and like, how, you know, when, uh, obviously that you must've felt very depressed and, and all that within this, you know, this period of time, but how did it affect those relationships? You know, it was interesting. So <clears throat> because I didn't tell anybody um, and I had my friends, I always, I always felt like an outsider, even within my really close peer group, my really close mm-hmm. friends, I still felt like an outsider. I felt a ton of shame, mm-hmm. which is pretty common for, for people who've been sexually abused. And, and I actually don't even know why, like, I don't know why if you, if you get abused, why you feel shame, for sure. but, but for some reason, I'm sure there's a logical reason for it. You do. Yeah. yeah. So you walk around, I remember like walking around high school like with this big secret that mm-hmm. no one else knew except for me. And I had to like protect that secret at all costs. Cause this mm-hmm. is also back in the day when like, you know, like people were like, you know, like yeah, I, I would think like, does this make me gay? Cause this guy's doing this to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and back then the, the connotation of being gay was way different than it is now. For sure. And, uh, yeah. So they're just like, they were like, just, there weren't even questions really. It was more like, they were just hundred percent all fears yeah. and and half of it. Some of it was just a survival mechanism of like, shit, am I going to Graham's today? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to, is he going to be there? Is he away at school? Finally? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's back. From, he's back for the summer. Great. Like I got to avoid going to my grandma. And I love my grandma. Like yeah, she, I yeah. loved her while she was alive. She was fantastic. But, uh, yeah. So it was just a kind of a, you know, I don't know. May I, may I ask like how that story kind of winds down in regards to when this was actually happening and did it, was there some explosive like reveal? Did this just stop happening? Like how did that, how did the relationship? Yeah, that's a a good question. So, um, I remember one time my parents senior year, I was looking at colleges, you know, uh, being from Massachusetts, we looking at colleges down South. And by that time, my uncle was going to where was it? Oh yeah. He was going to Catholic university in Washington, mm-hmm. which is really kind of like even more ironic yeah. Catholic university <laughs> oh, where this guy's like sexually abusing people. Um, and I remember like they sent me down there one weekend, 
mm-hmm. like, oh, we want you to go see your Uncle Vinny. You know, he's going to show you the school or whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck no. Like, yeah. this is just, just a horrible idea. And I went and, you know, same thing. Like, the abuse happened again. And, and, and then I remember, I vaguely remember, like, coming back and just being like, like, I just, I'm just going to fight him next time. Like, if I have to, you know, if he kills me he was a bigger guy mm-hmm. so he was kind of like your size except that he was like overweight and but he's physically imposing sounds like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and just like the, you know like it, not to get super gra- like but like having like him laying on top of me and and feeling like i couldn't get out yeah, yeah. like there's there's a point where when you're a little kid and i think about it now because i have you know i have a daughter at that age um you know you just kind of lose that like you just, you, sorry, you get into that, you get, you can't get out. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just think that the person is actually bigger than they are. Sure. Sure. Um, and the last time I saw him was actually at my wedding. I had to invite him cause like, you know, he's like the center, one of the centerpieces of the, of that side of the family. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, wow, he's really not that big. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like as big as I made. I might be very metaphorical or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. Cool. Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, uh, you know, so to answer your question, like there got to be a point where he was at school and then I was about to go to school. And so there was a period of a, you know, probably, probably maybe a year when I didn't see him. And by that time I had gotten, I had, grown up a little bit and gotten a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and it just you know i just didn't see him and it mm-hmm. so it wasn't even it wasn't like a thing there was never a final confrontation or fight with him sure, per sure. se um it just like you know thank fucking god yeah. i was going to school in a different spot and he was he was just out of the picture mm-hmm. and then when he was home i would just avoid him i wouldn't go over there unless unless other people were there and and you know like obviously you're discussing this publicly on publicly on a pod, yeah. podcast and all that stuff uh, is this something like at what point did other people in your life become, you know, aware that this had been going on? So I didn't tell anybody. So nobody knew until my wife and I were engaged. So Kelly, my girlfriend, now wife, we were engaged and we were, I was going away to my bachelor party and, um, we had a bachelor party in Dana point. And I remember like before the bachelor party, I told her like, you know, we're just going to surf and play volleyball and, and have some beers on the beach. We're not going to go to any strip joints or whatever. And she's like, okay, like, you know, if, you know, that, I'd be, that, she was, she was, she's super cool, but she was cool. She was like, she's like, you know, yeah, I, I totally get it. Like, you know, it would definitely make me feel better if you didn't go to strip joints, but you know, I understand. So obviously you can guess what happened. You know, we all get super hammered. We went to a strip joint and I came home and as a general thumb, I like to not lie to my wife. It's <laughs> uh, for the best. I mean, I tend to exaggerate my scores in squatting and yeah, bench press, but she doesn't really know. And exaggerate the depth a, on your squat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so she came home and she asked me point blank, like, you know, did you go to a strip joint? And I said, I said, yeah, we did. And we got in a huge, huge, huge fight. And it got to a point where I, I, she was just like hammering me. How can I trust you? Da, da, da. And I, I basically, I said to her, I said like, look, sex is not about love for me. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent about power. It's not about anything you want it to be. And if you don't want to marry me, I get it. I said, and I, and then I told her and I hadn't told her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she had no idea. 
So if you can picture it, we're sitting at our kitchen table, like in our condo and we're sitting there and the dogs are running around and, and, you know, then, you know, first I'm crying then she's crying. It's just like, just a mm-hmm. complete cry fest for, for like two hours. And, and she was the first person I told. And it was interesting because it was like, I told her and, you know, like I never thought anyone would love me the same. Now I'm getting emotional. Jesus. Um, after telling her and what I learned was like, it's okay. Like I mm-hmm. found like, Oh wow, shit. She still loves me. Even though like, you know, I've had this secret that I've been holding back for 30 years or whatever. <clears throat> and, um, it was just, it was a good feeling. It was a good, it was good to get it out. And then once I told her, I went to a therapist, talked to a therapist about it. And then I also ultimately ended up calling, calling my uncle and talking mm. to him, which was, <clears throat> excuse me my uh, therapist was like you know you should call him write him a letter and then forgive him and i was like why the fuck would i ever forgive him like why am i mm-hmm. going to forgive this guy like that just seems crazy and she was like it's for you it's really not for him mm-hmm. so i called him and i still remember i was at the uh in a beach parking lot at moonlight talking mm-hmm. to him on the phone <laughs> and you know he he you know, he was crying and it's interesting. I felt, I felt nothing Mm. like I felt no compassion for him. I didn't feel anything. Like I felt really good after, like after I got a phone there, my, I felt good after the fact, but at the time, like I felt no, nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just didn't have it in me. Did you know, you, you'd said you'd felt, you personally felt good after, did, did it feel like anything else changed in your life and having, you know, in, turned the page? What, I don't know whether you ever, yeah. anyone ever calls that overcoming anything. Like, you know, we're all yeah. part of our life experiences. But did it seem, seem like it changed your worldview in any way? Yeah. Once I told Kelly, once I talked to somebody about it, a whole bunch of stuff made sense. Mm-hmm. Like my, you know, sort of my drug of choice back when I was young and single and living in LA, it was, you know, dating as many women as possible. Mm -hmm. That was like my thing. And it wasn't because I loved them. Like I didn't know what love actually was quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't even know what it was because I couldn't, there was a depth that I couldn't like in my own soul or heart or whatever that I couldn't get to because it basically had, had, been taken over in an act of self-preservation like it's not like i mean you know i am i'm a pretty lovable guy i Mm -hmm. love everybody super lovable super lovable very huggable um but i had always had this protective core Mm -hmm. around my around my being and so after telling her talking to someone about it a lot of it made sense like i was like wow i'm using sex for power i'm using it you know not for love Mm -hmm. this is my addiction this is like where i'm you know, what's happening with me. Um, and then it also flipped the script in terms of like feeling like, wow, like I am worthy of love and I am worthy of, you know, good things in my life. Not everything has to be shitty. Like, you know, the sun is going to come out and that's, you know, that's a good thing. And Mm -hmm. late afternoon sun is just fucking late afternoon sun just means it was sunny that day. It doesn't mean (laughs) anything bad is going to happen. You know, that's the thing. One of the things about, um, self, uh, sexual abuse stuff is like you walk around in a constant, fear like a constant dread of like what's around the corner mm-hmm. and to this day like i don't like it when anyone's right behind me and mm-hmm. like looking over my shoulder because you know i'm conditioned to like that's a bad thing yeah so yeah it changed my worldview 
180 degrees. You you had made the comment, and if you you know you don't know Jim on a personal level, you are certainly one of the most enjoyable people to spend time around. And I, I mean don't that as I mean that as genuinely <laughs> as I can. And uh, you know, I, I work in an environment in which I'll see you know 60 people in a day and whatnot. And some of those people, uh, you're you know, you're always going to put a smile on and make sure you greet them at the door and, and all that stuff. But Jim's one of these people who were always genuinely happy and excited to see and we Thank know you. that we're going to be have a really enjoyable <laughs> class and, and all that stuff um do you th- do you think that you had described like that as your personality do you th- do you uh feel as though that's something that you adopted because you could you could on some level uh hide this part of your core and and that there was a, a <clears throat> like a this experience that you were trying to shield the world from or how do you think those two things interplay with one another i don't know that i don't want to you know say that you're doing this because it's a, a, a mask or anything like that. Yeah. But it um, was, it yeah. was for a long time. I mean, uh-huh. it, it's, I very early got conditioned to, you know, in social environments or environments with other people that mm-hmm. to be, you know, as friendly as possible. A lot of it's my, just my nature to do that. Sure, sure. But then a lot of it is, you know, some of us is avoiding conflict out of self-preservation mm-hmm. and, so, and what I mean by that is, so like if you, cause there's being friendly, right? So someone walks in the gym, super friendly or whatever. Um, for me that translated into conflict of avoidance. So if someone was like, oh, you know, I love hunting animals and, you know, blowing rabbits heads apart. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I mean, I'm a vegetarian who eats fish, which is pes- pescatarian now, but anyway, but I haven't eaten meat since 1998. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I would definitely not be into. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so if someone said like, I'm a big time hunter, you know, what I might say when I was sort of avoiding conflict, I might say, that's cool. You know, that sounds really fun. Or yeah, yeah. I would say things that were completely opposite to what I which thought. You actually agreed with. Yeah. Even. Just because I wanted the person, you know, to like me, and, but then also, like, I wanted to avoid the conflict. So you have a lot of that with, like, sexual abuse stuff where, like, you want to avoid conflicts and you want to do anything possible to get over feeling shamed or mm-hmm. different. You want to be in sort of the, you know, the inside, the cool group or or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. which is which is so fucked up. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, that's, sure. that's kind of what... Um, to answer that question. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Uh d- <sighs> I don't know that it's perfectly appropriate to to ask if there's like a silver lining to this type of story, though you've certainly uh, worked on yourself and you've, you know, worked on your relationships and, and the fact that you're having this conversation in a, a public forum and you're wanting for people to hear about it and share share it, you know, suggests that you've uh, coped, coped on some level. Yeah. Uh, is there a silver lining to the story and, and what do you think it is? Yeah. I think there is. I think it's, um, that's a really good question. So, I mean, I'm glad it, I, I, I would obviously way prefer it didn't happen. Of course. But the thing about it is, is like, I'm not dead. I'm not addicted to any drugs or anything. Um, I have a great wife. I've got awesome kids. I've got great friends you know, I love you. You know that like you, you're just such a good dude. I'm so happy for our friendship. And there are, so the silver linings on it is like, I'm allowed to be who I am. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you go through something like that, where you feel like 
you don't give a shit if you die mm-hmm. kind of puts everything else into perspective you know when you have like rough days at work or rough days in your relationship it it puts it in perspective it also gives me like the you know it didn't back then but it gives me the strength of knowing that like you know like i can get through a lot of shit mm-hmm. like because i have gotten through i've gotten through this and it also gives me a little bit of a of a somewhat of an inquisitive personality to some extent because mm-hmm. i felt so strongly about burying this for so many years mm-hmm. and then once it got uncovered like everything changed and everything got better so like for 30 years or whatever the hell it was like i felt like i had i done it earlier yeah, i wonder yeah. what i wonder how that would have changed I wonder how do that think, plays out. Do you think you like, <clears throat> is there any scenario that you've looked through in your head where you think about what if I had brought this to the surface at 16 or something like that? Like, was that a yes. plausible reality? Yeah. Yeah. I do think about that. I think about like, okay, you know, back then no social media, no internet. Cause I'm a thousand years old, <laughs> as you know. Um, I think about like, w- you know, <clears throat> what could I, what could I have done? Like, I don't even know where, like, yeah, I think about it now and I'm like, shit, like where could I have even gone with this? I mean, Mm -hmm. I know I could have gone to my parents and when I did finally tell my parents, like, you know, they lost their minds. My dad wanted to kill his brother and you know, they, they were obviously very upset. I never told my grandmother because Mm -hmm. she, she died and, and she was, she was so fantastic to me that I just never wanted her to know. So I actually didn't tell, nobody knew about it until after she, she passed. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, Except for Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just gave me a different worldview. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think maybe the silver lining is, is like I have that different worldview now. And, and I, you know, the, the, could I have done anything differently? I hope and I hope and hope and pray that kids these days have more avenues than I had. Mm-hmm. And that if there's a kid going through the same thing, that they're able to get through it um, or go tell somebody somehow you know, cause that, that changes everything. Yeah. And this is particularly relevant as a conversation, given the Supreme court justice, yes. uh, happenings at this current moment in time is there, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing to think about, but undoubtedly someone, someone out there is, is hopefully going to listen to this podcast who is either currently going through something similar who, or who has yeah. gone through something similar. Do you have any other like advice for, for someone in those situations? Yeah. Yeah. My first advice would be tell somebody. And honestly, if you can't find someone to tell, tell me, call me mm-hmm. 760-271-7128. Email me off the website, get in touch with me, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I don't care. Tell me, tell somebody, call an anonymous hotline, do something. You got to get it. You got to get it out. Um, the other thing I would say is if you, if you've been abused is that it does ultimately get better you know, it does change you, but you're, you can still have a very happy, successful life. It doesn't have to be the thing that kills you. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't have to be. And that, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I, I always look at as like this stuff with like, for me, it's, it's either going to be, it's like, it's going to be a crutch and it's going to be the thing I hang my hat on the rest of my life and why I can't be happy or successful mm-hmm. or it's fuel and it's the fuel that, you know, helps drive me towards happiness and success. I'm not even saying that that's right. I really am not. Like, I don't know if it's right or not. 
But for me, it's what what works. So I but would say like you're leveraging that in a positive way. You're sitting yeah. you're sitting here you're sitting here trying to connect with people who are going through these trials and tribulations, yeah. and you're trying to leverage this experience that was like probably you know unfathomably terrible, and yes. trying to utilize that to help other people. And I you know don't want to make assumptions, but I assume that's a part of what uh, drives you towards wanting to, you know, towards compassion and wanting to create resources and, you know, create media and and things of that nature that uh, can be helpful and a a powerful outlet for other people. Yeah. Um, So I have to imagine that this has played a big role in kind of shaping your desire to be, you know, in that kind of role. It is. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, if you look at the data that says that like one in five guys have been abused. Mm-hmm. So that means we have, you have a gym of how many kit, how many people? 120. Yeah. Something like that. So if it's 50, 50 guys and you know, 50, wait, I'm doing my math wrong, whatever it is. 60. It's a 60, lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So that means that, you know, 60 that out of 60 guys in here, that means 12 or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is how bad I am. At I was going to say five. <laughs> the, the, C stu- the C student is helping out. <laughs> Thank God for the C student. But so it's, you know, like it's, it's something to think about. Like I think about that a lot when I go into like a coffee place Yeah. and I look around and I'm like, there's 25 guys in here. That means at least three of them have been abused yeah. besides me. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And people don't, I don't think they, you know, we talk about it enough and, and I just hope and pray that there are. Uh, you know, if there's anyone listening to this or if there's anyone else, you know, girl or guy who's been abused that you can find a way to get help and find the courage to get help or find a way out because it will get better. It it does. I mean, I know I'm living proof of proof Mm -hmm. of it. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you can add to this conversation or we think we covered it? This is a deep one today. This week went real deep. My God. All right. Next week, we're going to have to talk about some fashion, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I fashion or? Uh, I don't know if we're the right guys for the job oh on that one. Oh, my God. It was, uh, yeah, this we, is good. We but hopefully, this there. is helpful. Yeah. Thank I, you for sharing so yours. Yeah, and you as well. Thank you for listening in, guys, and we will talk soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really appreciate you guys listening in. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And you can always check us out online at heroupmedia.com. Heroupmedia.com. Talk to you guys soon.